It's that time of the year where you might want to try to kick off a new year with a fitness journey. Cryo and More has all your holistic healing needs with cold therapy, heat therapy, and pressure therapy, which shortcuts the time you have to spend recovering from your workout or minimize the muscle soreness you feel from physical activity. Cryo Skin is a body hack that speeds up the death cycle of the fat cells using non-invasive technology that uses heat and cold to eliminate fat cells. Your greatest wealth is your health. Visit cryoandmore.com or head over to the location off of Virginia Parkway in McKinney. If you're looking for a new gun safe, you need to check out the Performance Firearm Storage Solutions from Securit. Unlike traditional safes, Securit products are designed to perform for you. They're lightweight, so you can discreetly store them in any room in the house, and the interior is completely customizable to fit your guns and gear. I would know. I've got four of them. Their fast-access storage system keeps my guns and optics organized so they never touch each other or get damaged, and I'm never more than an arm's length away from a firearm. The best part? They're always running great sales. Head over to secureitgunstorage.com backslash cable to see their latest promotion, and you can thank me later. And way through my Howdy, everybody. Cable Smith welcoming each and every one of you into episode 687 of SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg Firearms. Thank you so much for being here. It is a pleasure, a treat, an honor to be here talking, hunting, fishing, the great outdoors, and all that implies with you fine folks. So thanks for dropping by as we've got a good one lined up for you today. And I'll tell you all about it momentarily, but first, some real exciting stuff. Uh, yeah, I went to Mexico last week for Aaron's birthday, quick trip, three days down to the Cancun area. And uh, the last night, about 1.30 in the morning, woke up like my guts were twisted in a knot. Thought I had food poisoning, but no, it uh, turned out to be my first foray into Montezuma's Revenge, a.k.a. Dysentery. Yeah, it's from drinking contaminated water or eating contaminated food. We never left the resort, and they filter all the water, so that means I ate something that had uh, bacteria on it, and it had me twisted up for like a week. And just, I mean, I got to look at a lot of trail camera photos while I was sitting on the pot, uh, because that's about all I did. <laughs> Finally went to the doctor. I, I was reading about it. I was like, Okay, this stuff's supposed to clear up in like three days. But if it doesn't, you should go to the doctor. By day seven, I was like, I got to go to the doctor. And they gave me a like a one-dose prescription for azithromycin. Knocked that stuff out immediately. I should have gone to the doctor right away. But yeah, Montezuma's Revenge. That stuff sucks. I wouldn't even wish it on Pete Flores. Wait, uh, yes, Senator Flores, I absolutely would. And more on Pete Flores coming up in today's broadcast. But... Um, yeah, you know what to do. Pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire. Pour yourself another cup of that Black Rifle coffee. <laughs> coffee. <laughs> That's another thing that I was deathly afraid to drink for like a week. And I drink coffee every morning. Uh, not this past week. Uh, they'll put the fear of God into you with that situation. But yeah, I've got the Power Llama brew going today. And uh, this is what we're doing. We got to get into SB 1236. If you are unaware, your Texas politicians, Senator Pete Flores specifically, 
recently passed a bill, SB 1236, that is the biggest anti-hunting, anti-gun grabbing piece of legislation that I have ever seen passed in Texas in 15 years of covering the outdoors here. And it's comparable to, when you talk about the area affected, I don't know if I've seen something comparable in even more liberal states. It's absolutely mind-blowing, and they did it without any of us knowing. That's the crazy thing. So... Uh, Robert Ramirez, former uh, head of Hunter Education with Texas Parks and Wildlife, he is all kinds of fired up about it, not happy. None of us should be. Uh, what was the reason behind it? I'm trying to understand, but it seems like wealthy landowners had everything to do with it. It's a damn shame. Uh, do we have any recourse? Can we get this back? Because it has been signed by Governor Abbott, We'll go into effect September 1st, 2023. Um, yeah, it's bad news, but we're going to get into it in detail coming up with Robert. Then uh, we'll switch gears and spend some time talking big whitetail bucks and their behavior with Chris Duncan of GSM Outdoors and Stealth Cam. So uh, he's got a nice farm in Iowa, kills monster deer every year. And in owning the farm, he's learned quite a bit about whitetail management, and he'll even tell you mismanagement. I think he's got an anecdote for what not to do that he'll share today. Um, but yeah, we'll talk uh, all things whitetail deer and probably mix in some trail camera conversation as well with Chris coming up here in just a little bit. That's what's on the docket for today. Going to be a good one. Guarantee you that. Uh, let's do a quick giveaway since we've got Chris joining us and he works for Stealth Cam. How about a Stealth Cam Fusion X-Pro cellular camera. Yeah, we'll give away a cell cam today. Thanks to uh, Stealth Cam. All you need to do, email the word whitetail into Lone Star Outdoors Show at gmail.com and you are entered into today's Stealth Cam Fusion X-Pro giveaway. All right, let's knock out that quick break. Coming up next, Robert Ramirez joins us. We'll get into... Uh, SB 1236 and what that means for Texas hunters going forward on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Leave me alone. Some say a silenced gunshot is the baddest sound out there. At Silencer Central, we have another favorite. It's the sound of silence delivered to your front door. When you buy from Silencer Central, we handle your application, set you up with a free NFA gun trust, and deliver your silencer straight to you. With an average 90-day turnaround time when you use eForms, buying a silencer is simpler than ever. Visit silencercentral.com and we'll help you get started. Let me tell you about the Armorsight 640 contractor. It is the industry-leading thermal technology in a very user-friendly rifle scope. A 640 Armacore 12 Micro made in the USA Thermal Core. It's got a four-hour onboard recording, four-hour runtime on a full charge, USB and Wi-Fi streaming, uh, eight user-selectable reticles and six color palettes, and the most user-friendly interface out there because you're operating these things in the dark. So uh, that's very important. You can find the contractor, the 640, or its little brother, the 320, right there at armorsite.com. 
Hey, this is Cody Jinks, and you're listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. When I pray for peaceful waters, but the storms already came. Cody Jinks bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg Firearms. Thank you so much for being here. I'm Cable Smith, and we're all set to take on SB 1236, which effectively just screwed every Texas sportsman out there. It's a done deal, and it's a damn shame. Uh, Robert Ramirez, former head of Texas Parks and Wildlife's Hunter Education Department, is set to join us momentarily. But first, this segment brought to you by SCI, the worldwide leader in big game conservation. I'm a proud member. I'd encourage you to do the same because there is no group out there that is more passionate about protecting our rights as sportsmen and women than SCI. Uh, For more info, head over to safariclub.org. And with that being said, let's bring him on right now. Robert Ramirez, thanks for being here. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you do and uh, you know your employment history. Sure. Uh, I'm actually a senior environmental specialist with the city of Fort Worth. Um, my prior employment was with Parks and Wildlife as the uh, hunter education uh, program manager. Prior to that, I was DFW area uh, as a uh, hunter ed specialist with Parks and Wildlife. Well, yeah, I know our paths have crossed at some point over the last 15 years just uh we didn't have zoom back then so we probably taped a conversation over over the phone regarding hunter sure. education or something but yeah. did a lot of work with dallas safari club and now the outdoor tomorrow foundation with scott mcclure yeah. um, with the, yeah awesome awesome well yeah so obviously we want to talk about sb 1236 today and I, I did put out a campfire conversation already with um, Stormy King, or he's yeah. the uh, assistant commander, game warden over at Texas Parks and Wildlife. So we got his take on it. Right. He's not as invested in it as you and I, the everyday hunter, folks who are out there trying to protect our rights. I would sure. Say these were rights that were taken away. That's now, correct. Now we don't. You know, obviously their position is we just have to interpret and enforce the law, right? I mean, that's what game wardens do. Right, right. Um, But I, but I was trying to figure out exactly how it, how it went from, okay, we've got, we already had these seven counties or whatever it was in South Texas where where this law already existed, and I'm talking about where it was illegal to use a rifle, a bow, or a slugged shotgun. Uh, when hunting navigable waters and their riverbeds or stream beds. Correct. Uh, so then there was grumblings that they were going to try to add four or so counties in the Panhandle this year and, and also Llano County in the Texas Hill Country. Right. But that's the last I heard of it. And people had been sending me messages, a couple emails saying, hey, have you heard about this? I'm like, no, I'm trying to find out about it. Uh, I never once heard anything about it being switched over to a statewide law, which it is now a law. All of those yep. things are now illegal. You cannot bow hunt. You cannot rifle hunt. You cannot shoot a slug out of a shotgun while hunting these rivers and streams and their beds, which can be massive. Starting, starting, starting September 1st. And that's pretty damn fast, too. Most of the time, the law is yep. like, oh, okay, well, this will go into effect in 2024 or 2025. No, they're like, tomorrow. 
basically. Like here it is. Yeah. April, from April till yeah, till now. Yeah. yeah. So when, as far as you're aware, when did it switch over from the proposed bill affecting only limited counties to all of a sudden statewide? Because I just don't understand how nobody was aware of it. Otherwise, we would have raised all kinds of hell and maybe we wouldn't be in this situation. So it was based on the history that I looked at. It was filed in late February. So the 27th of February, uh, it went to consider in public hearing on the uh, March 27th of mm. 2013 or 2023. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. um, but then you look, I mean, within, within one day, I'm looking actually at uh, the history of this uh, in one day in April uh, 3rd. It was read several times uh, in the Senate, went to the House uh, on 417, considered public hearing on 511, and then um, basically the House made some amendments on the 25th of May. Um, it was basically at that point, uh, May 29th, it was sent to the governor. The governor signed it on 618. Huh. And so, which, which, looking at this, obviously, uh, it was a Trojan horse. Uh, it was it was sold as a personal property uh, trespassing uh, bill. Uh -huh. And with the property tax debate going on uh, this legislative session, uh, my hat's off to Pete Flores because uh, he he basically got it done without uh, any conservation organization, any uh, gun uh, organization. Um, he got it done. Which and, is surprising because uh, we have we have groups like SCI, Sportsman's Alliance, NRA. They all have people, representatives, monitoring these situations, and this one slipped through the cracks because, like you said, it was pushed as a, a property, private property rights. And at the end of the day, I have to believe that it was some very wealthy landowners, probably donor donors to guys like. Pete Flores, who is a former game warden, who's largely largely responsible for this mess, probably lining their pockets, saying, "We'll donate to your campaign, get this fixed for us, because we want we want to own the deer, <laughs> essentially, or we don't want we don't want to deal with people floating up and down the river, even though they're allowed to hunt there. We don't want it. Yeah. We don't like it." Well, the issue, okay. So the issue when I'm looking at this, and this is from Parks and Wildlife's website. Um, under a law dating back to 1837, okay, 1837, mm -hmm. a stream bed was basically 30 feet, 30 feet wide at its mouth, proceeding all the way through Texas. A continuation of the Spanish law of that was basically the highway system back then mm -hmm. through commerce, things of that nature. And so you're talking about a law that goes back to 1837. Well, we all know what happened in 1836, okay? Uh, those Your right to your public land has been taken away. Mm -hmm. 2023, September 1st, 2023. Uh, bow hunting is basically gone. 
from those river systems. Uh, if you read the law further, the only rodent, from what I can read, that you can shoot is a non-indigenous rodent that excludes squirrels and rabbits. So taking a 22 rifle out to the Brazos River and hunting the numerous islands that are scattered throughout there, uh, all the way up to the Panhandle, taking a rifle and hunting rabbits now with Grandpa's 22 is after September will be illegal. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you told me, because you, you grew up in the concrete jungle in DFW, but you've spent Correct. countless time on these waterways hunting. Correct. People don't realize like the, the upper Brazos salt flat is a massive area of land within that riverbed system. So you, you got to understand that most of your river authorities that, uh, that have large segments of these rivers that they run projects for lakes, run projects for parks. Um, they follow state, this state statue of 1837. They reluctantly allow hunting because that's what the law stated. Yeah. Now that this law has been changed, you got to remember a lot of these WMAs are held, Parks and Wildlife runs them for those agencies, whether it's Corps of Engineers, Sabine River Authority, uh, you know, whatever authority, Parks and Wildlife runs them. If those federal authorities want to follow state statute they can eliminate hunting on those properties that gate has been opened now all it's going to take is a supervisor at the uh controlling authority to say you know what we're going to follow state statute now you can no longer bow hunt here you can still duck hunt um and and th this goes back to mr flores knowing what he was doing being a yeah. former game warden hunting ducks is federally protected yeah. Hunting duck shotgun is federally protected. There's a reason why that was still left there. Okay. Bow hunting is not federally protected. It's gone. I've reached out to the Archery Trade Association, which is a member of all the manufacturers of this country, whether it's fletching, whether it's shafts, broadheads, bows, and all the accoutrements that go with it. They were not aware of this. Mm -hmm. And bow hunting you had more bow you had more hunting opportunity with a bow in texas than you did with a rifle or a shotgun just simply because of the means and methods okay so that's basically a threshold activity where you're going to introduce somebody to hunting that's been taken off the table on public land land that you and i still own mm -hmm. we have been restricted on on what we can do ironically though uh i believe that the landowners whose property backs up to X waterway can still use a rifle or a bow or a shotgun on those properties. That is correct. They are exempt. The landowner that's adjacent <laughs> through their agent can use any means or method. So basically you got your rifle taken away from you on your, on your public land and they can come in and use whatever. Right. The, the, the irony of all this is that you can shoot a federal a feral hog from a helicopter in Texas, but you cannot shoot one with a bow in a navigable stream as of September 1st. No, and the thing is, is that they left buckshot. I, I don't know why they didn't take buckshot away too.
because to me, it's harder to kill something with a bow than it is buckshot. So yeah. I'm confused there. And why they went after bow hunting specifically well, is mind-blowing. It's harder to kill something with a bow. Well, the, thing, the reason they did it is because the, the, the misinformation that, that obviously we know that senators and, and House of Representatives have, they have never looked at the Ashby Foundation's uh, research. Um, if, if you're familiar with Troy Fowler, and uh, the Ranch Ferry uh, and the Ashby Foundation, they have shown and proven that if you actually use the appropriate broadhead grain arrow, you can dispatch an animal within yards. Mm -hmm. And so, the, so shooting, shooting a deer on an island, yeah, if you don't make a good shot, it can run to the next county. But if you make a, a, a shot, uh, you can dispatch an animal very quickly. And that information is just getting started. Parks and Wildlife has signed, signed an agreement or a mutual agreement with the Ashby Foundation to include that information in their hunter ed program and their bow hunter ed program. And so that, that whole water, basically what this law does, it has charged the public hunting hunters with trespassing and they've been found guilty and the penalty is no archery bow hunting and no rifle hunting okay so we've done a pretty good job explaining of, of what the reality is right now regarding sb 1236 but i want to take a break and then come back and try to understand why i mean I, I don't think our politicians just woke up one day and said you know what we should restrict hunting rights on all of our navigable waterways and riverbeds. They didn't do that. So where did this come from? Uh, that segment of the show was brought to you by Vortex Optics and the Sun Slayer hoodie. If you're headed to the lake or maybe uh, down to the coast for a, you know, a last-minute trip before the kids go back to school, you need to check out the Sun Slayer hoodie. It's what I've been wearing fishing all summer long. It keeps those harmful UV rays off of your skin, and you feel light and airy. It's it's really a beautiful fabric, I'm not going to lie. Uh, if a man is allowed to say the word beautiful when referring to a garment. <laughs> but anyway, it's the Sun Slayer. You can get 20% off with that promo code LONESTAR20 when you check out at vortexoptics.com. We'll be right back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. The granddaddy of all hunting shows is back. The 2023 Hunters Extravaganza, August 4th through the 6th at the NRG Center. Fun for the whole family. Check out hunting seminars, all the latest hunting equipment, last season's best bucks from our annual deer contest, and for the little hunters, games, live alligators, snakes, and more. For details and tickets, go to huntersextravaganza.com. August 4th through the 6th at the NRG Center. The 2023 Hunters Extravaganza. In the market for a compact track loader, check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at BobcatAdvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at one of our nine North Texas locations. Visit BobcatOfNorthTexas.com or 
Call 469-586-0000 today. Time to tell you about Protect Products. Veteran-owned and made in the USA, Protect makes your water work harder for you in the field. They have a hydration electrolyte formula for endurance and replenishment. It's perfect for elk hunting, right? Uh, energy formula for when you need an extra kick. Immunity for optimizing the immune system. And one of my favorites, the rest formula to ensure deep sleep and proper recovery. All the formulas are liquid, so they mix instantly in your water bottle or camelback. And the cool thing is they don't gunk them up like a powder with that messy residue. They also have an easy-to-use line of mineral sunscreen for quick and odorless application and all-day protection in the field. For more info, head over to protect.com to see their entire lineup. That's protect, P-R-O-T-E-K-T.com. When I was a kid, Uncle Remus had put me to bed With a picture of Stonewall Jackson above my head Cable Smith welcoming everybody back into SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg. Uh, we've still got Robert Ramirez, former head of Hunter Education over at Texas Parks and Wildlife here with us today discussing the uh, unfortunate reality of SB 1236. Before we dive back into that discussion, though, this segment is, well, who is this brought to you by? Hell, I don't know. Let's just uh, throw Armasite and Silencer Central a bone. Two of my favorite companies, by the way. And if you were to combine them, you know, go suppressed and light up the night with a nice thermal, <laughs> yeah, now you're talking. Uh, unless you're uh, hunting a navigable waterway after September 1st. That's illegal now. Uh, because of our dumbass politicians. Anyway, thanks to Armorsite and Silencer Central for sponsoring this segment. Uh, let's pick it back up with Robert Ramirez. So to me, and just trying to read between the lines, and when you know, I, I read the, uh, the original bill, which had been in place since like 2005 regarding the South Texas counties, and then right. I'm thinking, well, maybe, you know, I, we're certainly not at the same place we we were then that we are now with illegal immigration, but I was like, maybe they didn't want illegal immigrant slash hunter conflict. I don't know. Cause all those counties were places where you might actually have that, uh, occur, but then you Correct. throw in the panhandle and it's like, okay, now we're talking about landowners who just don't want people shooting deer that they think belong to them. Because let's be honest, nobody cares about feral hogs except for the, the only person that cares about it is the hunter that's willing to navigate the stream to kill one. The landowner Correct. doesn't give a crap about the feral hog. Correct. This is about, this is about deer. And people right. having a conflict over, I own that deer. You don't have permission to hunt it, even though, but wait, I'm in the stream. This is the, this is the riverbed. I, I can be here. I don't care. Here's, where's my politician? Let's get this sorted out. I'm the wealthy landowner. And what it does is you have two groups, the haves and the have-nots. Okay? Yep. You have landowners that have, and you have people that are scraping by, eh, Maybe they have a lease, maybe they don't, but maybe their favorite thing is just to travel the river that their their dad took them down in a canoe when they were a kid. Exactly. Um, and now you've widened that gap um, because you've just pushed the have-nots further in the opposite direction when we all should be together as a hunting community. But Correct. that's impossible now because of the, uh, the I'm just going to say the elites, if you're the elite landowners, coming down and saying, we want to put an end to this. And now and now it's a statewide mandate. It's a bill. It's a law. It's been the governor signed it's it. It's done. Yeah. That's true. If you've ever read John Gray's book Goodbye to a River, 
where he actually uh, takes a canoe from uh, PK down to Whitney. Uh, he hunted along that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sadly, the only thing you're going to be able to do there when you're there is duck hunt. Oh, man. I've bass fished that stretch. There are so many islands and pockets, like peninsulas. There's a ton of land in there in that Brazos uh, below Whitney. It's beautiful country. I could see why someone would take advantage of the, the opportunity to hunt it. What they don't understand is the geography of this state. You have rivers that have a stream bed, sometimes up to half a mile wide. Just with my rudimentary calculations, using that 30-foot designation from Parks and Wildlife in Texas A&M, we have 191,000 miles of streams and rivers in the state of Texas. Just use that 30-foot you know, statue. You, the hunters of this state, bow hunters of this state, have given up, in my calculations, 675,000 acres of public land of which you are prohibited from using a rifle. You're prohibited from having a bow. If you read the law, if you have a bow in that stream bed, you can be sighted. And if and if it doesn't meet the requirements listed as bow fishing, you know, and this is another thing, the bow fishing, I've hunted alligators with a bow, bow fishing. None of my uh, arrows were attached to my bow or a reel. They were attached to a buoy laying in the bottom of my boat. Because when you shoot an alligator, guess what? They're taking off. Yeah. And you got a long enough line that it's not going to rip your bow out of your hand. Okay. You look, if you notice in the statute, it says legally you can shoot an alligator. They've actually take taken the method that we use at JD Murphy WMA and a lot of these other archery, uh, permissible alligator hunts. And it is contradictory of what you would use for an uh, an alligator. Mm -hmm. And, and again, it just boggles my mind how this just went through sight unseen, sadly, and how it is specifically written as if a game warden wrote it. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, like, we can raise hell, which we're trying to do, raise awareness. Like, the the vote wasn't even close in the House. So how would we, even if we (laughs) said, hey, politicians, you guys screwed us. We know you screwed us. We want this fixed. They're not going to do it. They're not going to do it. They're not going to do it. In my experience of my 55 years, once you, once they take an inch, they'll take a mile. And what I keep hearing is, oh, well, I can still duck hunt. Oh, well, I can still uh, bow fish. Trust me, this was a Republican House, Republican Senate, Republican governor, and you have the largest rifle grab and hunting prohibition since 1837. Oh yeah, there's no doubt, and there's 1.5 million hunters in Texas. Average, yeah, average. That all just got yep. shafted and didn't even know about it. You, they basically. I'm so they, pissed. I don't even know what to do do with myself. I've done. I've been covering the outdoors for 15 years in the state, and I've never seen something so egregious. Yeah. And still, still shocked that, like all those groups that I've said that do great work all across 50 states, we we didn't know about it. Well, and here's the here's the here's the, the the red flag that should be going up with everybody. 
yeah. as as conservationists, we give to all the critter. I call them critter clubs: NWTF, uh -huh. Rocky Mountain Elk, uh, Texas Trophy Hunters. We give to these D these DU. We give to them to hand over fist. We go to their banquets. We do all this stuff. Okay, great organizations. Our bird dog was asleep on the porch. Yeah. Texas State Rifle Association. Our rifles just got taken away from us on our public land. Yeah. They were asleep on the porch. And well, and, I was... and I and I I can't point my finger at one person because there's three per pointing right back at me. As a hunter in Texas, we thought we were golden. We had a Republican House, Republican Senate. Republican governor, they're never going to come after our guns. They're never going to take away our hunting rights. And we just got kicked into I, I've even had some hunters message me like, I don't understand why this is a big deal. Like, shouldn't the landowner like be able to protect his... Uh, no. What a big deal is that you just got stripped of your hunting rights and you didn't even know about it. And now you're too dumb to even really care. Like, are you? And some of them are like, I'm not even a landowner, but I can understand. It's like, no, you can't. Because Texas is 98%. It's already 98% privately owned. We have very Correct. little hunting public uh, hunting opportunity here. And now yep. we have, according to your calculations, 600 and something thousand acres less. Yeah. 200,000 well, 200, miles of river frontage that we just lost that we could have. We... Well, yeah. And, and, I, and I, have to, uh, I have to correct myself or, or give a disclaimer here. That is a conservative calculation based on the 30-foot rule in the statute yeah okay well, i understand that the angelina river when it's out of its banks it could be a mile wide mm -hmm. look at the hurricanes we've had those outer banks those outer banks sometimes go for a quarter mile to half a mile just look at historical flooding that you see those are the banks that they're talking about okay the issue is you had certain landowners who didn't like that. They called the game warden. Game warden came out there and says, hey, there's nothing we can do. They're in the stream bed. Mm -hmm. That's the issue. And oh, yeah. it's not an issue anymore because we have been prohibited from uh, using, having, let me, let me say this, having a bow that does not have a, a, a arrow attached with a reel yeah. or barbed point or fletching on the arrow. You walk down there with a long bow and you have a broadhead and a fletched arrow, whether you're shooting anything or not, you're in violation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I wonder how this will affect, I mean, you mentioned like, how does the army Corps of engineers enforce how to, how to WMAs interpret and enforce this. And, and it's part of it is because the Nilgai population is doing so well, but how does this yeah. affect our coastal waterways where folks are going down there and hunting Nilgai or deer or whatever on yeah. the Texas coast, because I've been down there and it all fluctuates with the tide. Sure. So, you know, I, I've been like the first time I ever went duck hunting on the coast, we didn't know what we were doing. Uh, and we, we spent the night on an Island. When we woke up, our boat was dry docked. Like <laughs> the tide had gone out and we were like, Oh, well, we're, I guess we're hunting here. Cause we're not going anywhere. Not for right. a few hours anyway. Right. So all that fluctuates. As as of what's, what's written here, it doesn't affect any of that. The sad uh -huh. part of some of the groups that I belong to on Facebook, they're like, oh, it doesn't affect me because I can still hunt my nil guy in the base. Okay. Yeah. The groundwork has been, the groundwork has been laid. Do not think that they are not going to come after that. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
Uh, all we need is another hot topic like property tax, this whole legislative session, and another Trojan horse is going to be slipped in there. And whenever it's come out and done, it's it's a done deal. You know. Yeah. And um, I mean, we'd have I, to move it, a mountain to get this overturned. Well, um, you know, and I think I gave you the analogy. The Longhorn is out of the corral. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, yeah. Then what you're talking about there is here's the playbook for the antis is, you know, correct. if you have a re you have a Republican controlled government and yeah, House, Senate, governor, we, we got nothing to worry about. But yet they just cram this down our throats. Essentially. I, I keep they, wanting to say under the cover of darkness, they didn't. They went through the legal process. Yeah. But, but man. it was never brought into the day. They, here's my thing. With today's social media, with today's social media, it, it boggles my mind how all this stuff still goes through the newspaper. That's how public records are actually posted. That's what the law states. It's got to be public notice. If I post something in Austin, Texas, on the state house, somebody from Lubbock, are they going to be able to read it? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Social media today, all of that should have been listed. It all should have been listed. More importantly, all these organizations that we as hunters and anglers pay money to, to be our watchdogs, they drop the ball. And, and again, I got three fingers pointing back at me. I wasn't aware of it. And honestly, I didn't get aware of it until it was, it was on social media. So yep. yeah, there was absolutely nothing out there we're yeah. all asleep well and like i said when you have someone who their life's work and a professional what in the profession was responding to you know landowners concerns and his and his uh wardens doing the same thing and them arriving and telling the landowner there's nothing we can do they have the legal right to be there well that's what they went after. Um, and, and like I said, who wouldn't believe a game warden? Right. Who wouldn't, you know, and we, we love our game wardens. They put their lives on the line every day. And so to have one actually come in as a senator, that's how it got done. That was the Trojan horse. Smiling face here. You know, this is what we want to do. It's we're protecting private property, uh, trespass on private property during this whole uh, property uh, tax you know, uh, legislation, he got it done. Yeah. <laughs> he got it done. Well, I think about and, this and put this into perspective. Every time I go to my, uh, dear lease in Oklahoma, I drive across the red river, drive across yeah. the bridge there, leaving Texas, entering Oklahoma. I look over to my left and right and the red river. Most of the time, this time of year, especially is like 20 yards wide, maybe. I mean, the water itself, right? But you right. can see the riverbed that you're driving over, and it's like three or 400 yards wide. Oh, yeah. Massive. And you could have hunted all that on the Texas side. Yep. And that, and think about a river that's not sh sharing a border with Oklahoma in the same situation. It's massive. And I'm just thinking about what I see regularly, just driving over there going. I mean, it, it's. I've pursued turkeys up in uh, outside on the Salt Fork of the Brazos River. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, I can tell you right now, I'm not that good of a marksman. I probably couldn't hit it with a rifle on the other bank. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm just telling you that right now. If if I was out there, and that's what some people would do, is they would go up there, hunt whitetail and mule deer in the riverbank or the riverbed. Yeah. 
and were successful. And that's illegal, September 1st. Does it affect me directly? Absolutely. Knowing that uh, in my own house, in my own house, talking about the public property in the stream bed, I cannot have a rifle. And I can, I'd rather bow hunt than do anything else. But yeah, it, it, it is a swift kick to the crotch. I can tell you that. Yeah. All we're uh, able to do, I guess, at this point is just lick our wounds and, and you know, encourage people, all of us, to be more focused on what these politicians are doing. Because they're going to try to screw us again. There's no reason for them to do the, do this, but they did it. Yep. And so, like you said, yeah, waterfowl is federally protected, but there's nothing that says, uh, you know, on this stretch of the Brazos, hey, we've got some homes going up. So, hey, knock, knock, politician, can we please uh, get or or hell, I've hunted the Colorado River for ducks. I've hunted uh, around the Ballinger area. Yep. Like, hey, we got a uh, new uh, development coming in. Knock, knock, Mr. Politician, can we get this uh, waterfowling thing taken care of? Yep. We'll donate I've seen to it your in campaign. Yeah, I've seen it in Wichita Falls. Uh, used to, you could go to Lake Arrowhead, mm -hmm. walk in, put out your layout blind or get tucked into the willows, and uh, you're good to go. You, we did some very successful walk-in hunts up there. Uh, city of Wichita Falls had no problems with it. Um, then the complaints started coming in to the game warden that you got people peppering our house. Well, the fallout for number, I believe number eight, number seven shot is about seven, 750 feet. Uh, obviously lead is, is heavier. So I don't know the trajectory fallout for, for like number fours and things of that nature, but uh, nobody was hunting near a house. I can tell you that. Yeah. So now, now city of Wichita Falls, you can hunt it's my understanding you can still hunt duck hunt, but you have to go get a permit with a specific lat long of where you're actually going to hunt. And that's duck hunt. So I've went, and this is what this has happened within 10 years, went from being able to walk in and hunt wherever you wanted to hunt to now you have to have to go to a governmental authority, local authority, get a permit and go out. Okay. Mm -hmm. That is, that is a change for waterfowlers. And, and again, I'm trying to give these examples because trust me, they're coming. Yeah, there's they, no doubt. They're, shut, they're shutting it down. And, and again, <laughs> yeah. you pay all this money to all these organizations and they just looked the other way. I don't or, think they did. I know STI wouldn't have intentionally looked the other way. I know Sportsman's Alliance wouldn't have intentionally looked the other way, but this one fell through the cracks. There's no doubt. It, it, it did. It did. And uh, I will tell you this, uh, based on the NRA scoring ratings that they do for politicians, this is the most sweeping rifle gun grab I think I've ever seen in my life of any of the states in the union. And it happened in Texas. <laughs> yeah. With so they the basically came warden. Grabbed your rifle, grabbed your rifle, grabbed your bow, and handed you a shotgun. <laughs> I appreciate your time, Robert. I mean, I wish there was some like silver lining to say, "Hey, this is—it's uh, not the end of the world." But uh, there's nothing good that is coming from this. Nothing. Nothing. We've lost. Well, we've lost, and we've lost. That's it. 
yeah, going forward, I've talked with Graham Jones with the Texas Backcountry Cup, uh, Hunters and Anglers. They're going to be meeting to come up with a game plan going forward, uh, just simply because it's going to take another senator uh, to actually propose to cancel this next legislative session, if not a class action lawsuit by or organizations like Archer Trade Association, Backcountry hunter, back Hunters and Anglers, DU, things of that nature. Yeah, uh, that was the only, I guess that was the only other thing I was going to ask is legally, because like I said, I don't, I don't think another Senator coming in is going to have, he's not going to have enough pull. All these people already voted this way. I think it well, would have to be, I think it would have to be a lawsuit. Yeah, that's what it's going to have to take because I'm looking here on that same information from Texas A&M, um, the ag extension, it basically states, states here that, uh, uh, beds and waters owned by the state in trust for the benefit and best interest of all people and subject use by the public for navigation, fishing, and other lawful purposes. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, but and the that, only person benefiting here is the landowner. So define that, the for all people thing. So that that's where I think if it does go to court, they're, they're going to find out real quick that they overstepped their bounds. Uh, but who's going to do it? I'm right, hoping well now we're now, cheering for court. We're cheering for lawsuit. That's the next thing. So, well, I'm hoping now that by showing everybody this dead canary in the cage, that somebody like the NRA, TSRA, Houston Safari Club, Austin Woods and Waters, Archery Trade Association, the list goes on and on and on that they jump onto that class action lawsuit. Yeah. All right. I'm going to be calling SCI as soon as we get off the phone here. Sure. <laughs> well, like I said, thank you for the time. Thank you, for, honestly, uh, uh, for uh, taking taking this opportunity to talk with me. Because as a native son of Texas, multi generational, uh, when Texas was Mexico, this hurts. It hurts bad. And so uh, I'm thinking about one other thing. To, so you said how it's illegal to have the bow in your possession. So you put your canoe in X branch of whatever it is. You're yeah. going to go deer hunting or hog hunting on said WMA, but you're taking the canoe in to get there. You can't even have your bow there. So now you can't effectively, they've neutered you from, from bow hunting. Port, yeah. So yeah. if you were actually, you were going to say you're on your lease, mm. you're on your lease and you're like, you know what? The wind's out of a different direction. I'm going to come in on this backside. I'm going to come on this backside and as you're, you've got your bow with you and the landowner across there sees you there go, what are you doing? It's illegal to bow hunt down there. He could call the game warden. And you could be sighted. That's a great example. Dude, I have actually taken a boat across like on, on an old lease. I don't have anymore. I've, I had a John boat out there and yeah. we would paddle with our bows in a public river to get to the other side and we had we had like 800 acres here and like 100 on the other side that would be illegal yeah if you read the statute if you're in possession unbelievable so. unbelievable all right well robert thank you so much for the time today um shocking nobody feels good about it except for those landowners that are all high-fiving right now uh which and, i don't hate uh, landowners man I, i'm grateful that i have ones that lease me property to hunt on uh, yeah but this but, is gross abuse yeah gross abuse of the government yep. on its people mm -hmm. <laughs>
so. we thought in Texas. But well, I appreciate it, and we will continue to monitor this and and push for a class action lawsuit going forward, as that seems like the only viable. Well, and I, I don't know who's going to be at the Texas Trophy Hunters Association. Their extravaganzas. I'll be at the I, one in Fort Worth. I would definitely be pushing for someone to have a petition there for it to actually land on the governor's desk. All right, Robert. Well, thanks again, my friend. Thank you, Cable. Hey, uh, before we get off here, um, thoughts and prayers for David Bosecker. Uh, I had the opportunity to certify him as a hunter ed instructor. Uh, he lost his life uh, in an incident there in Eastland County. Service will be Saturday. Uh, just want to you know, keep him in there in his family and thoughts and prayers. I, I did hear about that actually. Yeah. Yeah. Tough deal. Yeah. Yeah. We appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Cable. So there you have it. The, uh, the lowdown dirty truth on SB 36. Bad, bad news, man. Ugh, it's just disgusting really. And Pete Flores is a dirty, dirty cockroach. Uh, I think, yeah, I don't think a lot of these politicians even knew what they were voting for, if I have to be frank. Uh, they probably, I mean, he definitely did, and anyone else that sponsored this bill. Uh, but you have a Republican bring something forward and on, you know, disguised as private property rights deal. These people don't even know what they're signing. Uh, and that, that's their fault, right? But they didn't understand the far reaching, the widespread implications that this would have on the hunting community a.k.a. their voting constituency. Um, it's like shooting yourself in the foot. So I have to believe there was a lot of ignorance there. And, you know, shame on us, again, for not being on top of it as a hunting community. Not many things fall through the cracks these days. This one certainly did. Uh, that segment of the presentation brought to you by Black Rifle Coffee, veteran-owned and unapologetically patriotic. You can find uh, all of their coffee roasts and Patriotic swag right there at BlackRifleCoffee.com. Coming up next, we'll switch gears and talk some big bucks with Chris Duncan from GSM Outdoors on the Lone Star Outdoors Show. Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here, reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, a full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. Looking for a thermal hog hunt near DFW? Then Three Curl Outfitters has you covered. Offering fully guided thermal hunts just minutes south of Dallas, guides scout daily to put you on the bacon. Using thermal imaging technology to hunt feeders, crop fields, and river bottoms, you get unlimited hogs and no kill fees. Visit www.3curl.com. Also offering corporate hunts and food and lodging available by request. Book at 3curl.com or call 214-455-0940. All 
right, Cable Smith, welcoming everybody back into SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg Firearms. Shake the Foundation, the name of that one, uh, appropriately named for this show. <laughs> That's the Band of Heathens, by the way. Uh, but yes, this is a place that routinely shakes the foundation. Uh, some folks might not like that. Don't really care. Uh, it's my job to keep you informed and give you my take on uh, the things that threaten our way of life. Hunting, fishing, trapping, conservation, through sustainable use, all of those things. The Second Amendment. And uh, to be frank, I don't give a damn if you don't like it. Don't listen. Don't care. Uh, that's what we do here. Uh, we're about to talk some white-tailed deer as October is inching closer and closer. I'm having a blast checking out the uh, cell cameras, watching these deer uh, grow that velvet out, trying to figure out who's on the hit list for the coming fall. Uh, and a lot of that is with the new Stealth Cam Deceptor wireless cellular camera. Uh, data plans as cheap as $4 a month, 80-foot detection range, 40 megapixel. Uh, I've got the uh, no-glow high-res model, uh, 0.3-second trigger speed. You can find the Deceptor. Oh, oh, by the way, retails for like $129. Insane. You can find it at stealthcam.com. And with that being said, let's talk some big bucks, land management. Uh, I don't know what else, but it's always a treat to have diehard Midwestern whitetail hunter and GSM Outdoors Chris Duncan back on the show. Uh, how are things up in Iowa, brother? It's hotter than Hades down here in Texas. Low 90s, dry, like like it has been. But um, the heat that you guys have, which is, I know it's always hot in Texas, but it's it's pushing up here because I think Wednesday, Thursday, Friday are supposed to be all right around 100 degrees. Oh, wow. Which that typically, you know, we get that every now and then. So it's not abnormal, but it's uh, it's not something I look forward to. Yeah, that's just a normal day for us in July and August. Yeah, I went down to uh, GSM, and it was like shortly after I started, and we were we were in the process of moving facilities. So mm. I don't know if you've been to GSM before and like seen mm. the warehouse. I mean, it it is it is huge. It's insane, but. Anyways, I, uh, we were, we were moving stuff from one old warehouse to the new one. So it was kind of like all hands on deck. Like if, if someone can help them come down and help. So I drove down there and it was literally like about this time of year, late, you know, late July. And I would, I'd work, I worked in that warehouse for like 10 hours a day for a whole <laughs> week. And I bet I lost like. 30 pounds, dude. This is insane. And I, I'm like, I don't know how you guys do this. Like, I don't know how you guys deal with that crazy temp all the time. I'm oh, not yeah. used to that up here. No, it's uh, it's an acquired taste, I, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I lost, I've probably lost 10 pounds too in the last week uh, because I went to Mexico and came back with the uh, Montezuma's Revenge. And okay. Too much tequila. I would think tequila would kill it. <laughs> Maybe not enough tequila. Jeez. That's funny. So last time we spoke, you'd recently purchased your own farm and, and you know, within the last couple of years and you had run into, uh, I guess you'd run into the harsh reality that the previous landowner just kind of let the locals, you know, run, run roughshod over it and just kind of use it as their own playground. And so you were running into this issue of, 
how do I keep, how do I change this mentality of, Hey, there's a new sheriff in town. I own the property and you can't hunt here anymore. Cause they kind of, I just felt like they were, you know, entitled or, or grandfathered in and just could hunt there in perpetuity. Yeah. That's pretty much how it was. It was, uh, the guy before it just, you know, they'd owned it. He'd owned it since the nineties or whatever it was, or maybe yeah, it was around the nineties, but then his family owned it before that. And, you know, they didn't hunt. They didn't care about deer. They wanted every deer dead. So they almost <laughs> like invited people. It was, it was honestly private land, but it was pretty much like public hunting. So no, it's, uh, we've got that under control and I did it in a way where I'm still friends with those neighbors who were going on there all the time. So you got to obviously tread lightly, especially when you're dealing with neighbors. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't, I live by these people. I don't want to piss, piss anybody off. Right. So, but no, it's all good now. And they know that I work with cell cams all the time with my full-time job. Like I've got five more that are showing up. Um, they're supposed to be here tomorrow that are stuff we're testing for next year. And this, mm. that's like very common. So it's like, I'm constantly getting cameras in to go put out on my farm or, you know, I've got a few leases as well, but it's, it's pretty wild. Like these deer that live on my farm now, they just know they really can't walk anywhere without having their photo taken because I have so many <laughs> self cams out and it's not by choice. Like, honestly, like I, it's not like, Oh, I think I need to have as many self cams as I do for yeah. 155 acres. I just, it's my job. So I'm literally just constantly testing them and figuring out what works different, doing different settings, test, testing out new products. So uh -huh. yeah. Anyways, my neighbors know that if they walk on my property, that, they really can't get very far without having their photo taken. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember, and I've told this story before, but it was like the first or second year I was on a place in Oklahoma and one of my stealth cams picked up. I, one dude had a, a rifle and the other dude had a bow and they had accessed the property through the river. probably like they'd been doing for years and just, thought they had free run of the 900 acres that we were leasing and got pictures of him again, like a week later. And that this time he had a sidearm and the other guy had a shotgun. So I don't, you know, who I assume they were hunting deer or basically whatever. Uh, and then I put their pictures up on Facebook and within a day, someone told me, Oh, I went to, I went to school with that kid. And so they got citations written and then they didn't, yeah. we, we never got pictures of them again after that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, they figured they could just, but the thing was, is that the dude had leased it to someone else before us. I think they were just coming in like the back 200 acres off the river and just weren't getting caught. And there was a tree stand back there that none of us had put up, but that they were probably more than likely hunting out of. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but, but yeah, the, the, the cell cameras really come in handy for more than just watching, you know, your wildlife. I've got them on my gates. I've got them. Honestly, I've got one at the driveway to my house. I've got one on the backside of my house here. So I, I use them for a lot of reasons. Mm -hmm. um, how's your uh, how's your turkey population doing? You said that they've been struggling. I think we might have talked a little bit about reaping and whether you thought that was uh, appropriate, you know, from a a turkey management standpoint. What did I, what uh, did I say? I don't even remember what I, what my I think was. your take was it's maybe it's not for you, but you guys is your turkey population was struggling. So you're like, well, maybe we shouldn't do it here. If, if the turkey numbers are down. 
I think I think maybe that's what it was. Yeah, I can't remember when we talked last, but um, so we started. Iowa now has year-round trapping, uh-huh. and, I, and I, that was never the case before. So you could only trap from November, sometime in November to the end of January. Hmm. Well, the issue was is that well, for, I mean, obviously the the fur market's just there. It's not worth anything. There's right? no so, fur market. Yeah, so. You know, a lot of the guys who wanted to do it to manage their properties, they own the properties for deer hunting. So then they didn't want to do it during deer season because they're trying to kill a big deer and they didn't want to be in there, you know, running trap lines everywhere. So it's good that they did that. But anyways, we uh, we started trapping pretty extensively. Would have been this past or sorry, two years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, right now in the last two seasons, of trapping and I just use dog proofs, but um what was it a hundred and three coon that we caught two years ago and then this year we we're at ninety-two. Mm. And now that it's open, um I think it I think the law went into effect July first. So I can technically go out, but honestly I've gotten one coon on trail camera in the last like six or seven weeks. Oh, and wow. it was yeah, it was like or I mean before it'd be like I'd have a boss buck feeder out and there'd be like 10 coons hanging off the, off the side of it. So I've definitely put a dent in them and last, and that's what I'm trying to remember when the last time I talked to you, but it's probably been like a year and a half or so. Yeah. So, yeah. So then last summer was the first time. So since I had owned it, that I had pulse on, on trail camera, um, at around 30, 30 to 35 pulse, there was four hens that had pulse last summer on the farm. And this year, like they didn't, I didn't start getting photos of those tur- those pulse until like mid July. So I'm hoping that's why I'm not having as many so far on camera yet. I'm just maybe they're not moving quite around much much yet uh, here. Mm. Um, but I do have some, but it's only like five or six. So I don't know. It's um, it's definitely it's just definitely pockety. Like I've talked to some guys and they're like, oh, there's more birds here than there on my farm than there's been in a while and. Mm. Other guys said, you know, it's different. So I don't know. I think overall, I mean, it's definitely on the decline across the country. We've got to work together to figure something out. Yeah. Um, Texas might be immune to that a little bit. I don't know that our turkey populations are seriously in decline. Our Easterns are always struggling. We're always dumping a lot of money and resources into Eastern turkey restoration um, in, you know, the Piney Woods and the Eastern, let's just say quarter of the, the state. Uh, but once you get to like 35, that habitat is all Rio. And it really is, do I want Easterns in Texas? Of course, yeah, if they can survive here. But you have to realize it's really the it's the western edge of their habitat. And so yeah. are they ever really going to thrive? Probably not. Like the, in 15 years of doing this, we're still doing the same things we've been doing. Releasing Easterns, spending a lot of money, habitat restoration, all things I 100% support, but I, it comes with the realization that it's probably, it is what it is. We are where we yeah. are, and I don't think it's going to change. So, I, did I, I don't, yeah, maybe I told you this last time, but I hunted down in South Texas for turkeys. Oh, you had an eye opening experience, I'm sure. <laughs> it was insane. I, I flew into, I think the town was called, it was San Angelo. That's where uh-huh. I flew into. And then we turkey hunted, oh, anywhere it was within like 30 miles of that town 
But mm. I mean, I've never heard so many everywhere. And it was so crazy because the guy that we were hunting with, well, so Keith Beam, he works at GSM and he's the one that um, I went with him and he knew this guy down there, like lifelong friends. But he's like, yeah, there's this one giant cottonwood. And he goes, when the sun comes up, like you'll, you're going to hear him gobbling, but you're, it's just going to be loaded with turkeys. Cause there was, it was this big river bottom and oh, there yeah. was like, I've never seen it like that before. Cause here in Iowa, you know, there's like oak trees and whatever all over. I mean, they can roost anywhere, but um, yeah, that was like, there was like a hundred freaking turkeys roosted in one tree. It was crazy. And I don't know if there was a hundred, but there was a bunch. Yeah. So like a whole flock. flock. Yeah. yeah. So in Iowa, they don't, you guys don't typically see them roosting in the same tree all the time. I mean, they'll have areas they roost in. Like, it feels like on my place, like, I don't know if they just do like big loops or whatever, but they'll be roosted over on, you know, like by my house on one morning. And then it's like the next morning they're on this ridge over here, but it, it's not like the same spot every, every day. And I don't know if it's because I don't know why that is. I mean, <clears throat> I don't know if it's just where they're at when it starts getting dark and there's hens in a certain area or where, I don't know. I don't know. Why no, I think during the breeding season that definitely plays into it because yeah. they'll roost in places that they, they normally don't like. Um, if you said, Cable, where are you going to go find Rios? I'm going to say, well, show me where, show me the topo map and then, show me where the biggest dead tree is that's closest to water and that's where they're going to be. And yeah. like with Rio's, especially that's, you're going to find them just like the tree that you saw the big dead cottonwood, any bet, any dead tree close to a river or stream in, in that part of the world, it's going to have Rio's for sure. Um, well, okay. Well, that's good that you got some pulse. That's an improvement there. What about coyotes though? Are you trapping those two or just really hammering the coons? I tried, but I really am not good at, good at it. I've never trapped before. So everything I'm trying to do, like I'm just kind of trying to do without having someone that knows what they're doing, show me how. So mm -hmm. I think this year I'm going to have someone come down that actually knows what they're doing. So I've got some buddies that trap, but um, I've got, there's some coyotes, not a lot, but there's actually quite a few bobcats I get on camera and I would love to trap one of those. Mm. So we'll see. I'll, I'll try to get someone to help me do it because i struggled last year i haven't caught a bobcat either i've caught coyotes but never never a bobcat yeah all right well let's do this let's uh let's take a break then we'll rein it back in and get into some whitetail deer specifically bucks this time of year uh their behavior what they're up to and how that's going to change coming up in the very near future that segment of the show was brought to you by the all seasons feeders big chingone Literally, all five people in my family can comfortably fit in the big chingone. Uh, the girls want to perhaps shoot their first does this year. We're going to try to make that happen out of the cozy, warm confines of the all-seasons big chingone. You can find it, as well as their uh, entire lineup of feeders, blinds, and barbecue pits and smokers at allseasonsfeeders.com. We'll be right back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. A few times a year get stomped and fucked and then I ride enough, I get muddy and bloody, then I swear it off again. If you're looking for a new gun safe, you need to check out the Performance Firearm Storage Solutions from Secure It. Unlike traditional safes, Secure It products are designed to perform for you. 
They're lightweight, so you can discreetly store them in any room in the house, and the interior is completely customizable to fit your guns and gear. I would know. I've got four of them. Their fast access storage system keeps my guns and optics organized so they never touch each other or get damaged, and I'm never more than an arm's length away from a firearm. The best part? They're always running great sales. Head over to secureitgunstorage.com backslash cable to see their latest promotion, and you can thank me later. It's that time of the year where you might want to try to kick off a new year with a fitness journey. Cryo and More has all your holistic healing needs with cold therapy, heat therapy, and pressure therapy, which shortcuts the time you have to spend recovering from your workout or minimize the muscle soreness you feel from physical activity. Cryo Skin is a body hack that speeds up the death cycle of the fat cells using non-invasive technology that uses heat and cold to eliminate fat cells. Your greatest wealth is your health. Visit cryoandmore.com or head over to the location off of Virginia Parkway in McKinney. Hey, everybody. This is Pat Green. You're listening to my good buddy Cable Smith right here on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Check it out, y'all. Last night I had me a nightmare. A dream in Texas was burning down. Nightmare, the name of that one from Pat Green, bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show, presented by Mossberg Firearms. I'm Cable Smith. Thanks for being here today. Uh, we're about to talk big whitetail bucks with Chris Duncan from GSM Outdoors. Uh, he was nice enough to stick around. Before we do that, though, this segment is brought to you by Mossberg Firearms and the MC2SC 9mm EDC, that's Everyday Carry, you can find it. It's uh, actually double stacked, and it is compatible with uh, a Glock magazine of the same ilk. So uh, that's convenient. And you can find the MC2SC at Mossberg.com. Okay. Well, Chris, thanks for sticking around. You know, before the break, we talked a little bit about your Iowa farm. And so the obvious question is, uh, did you get a nice buck on the place last fall? I did. We, uh, I shot a deer that he the year before he showed up mid-december and then he left um obviously sometime later in the year he's like shed his antlers and then left never saw him again um and then this year it was like december 8th or 9th and he showed back up again so two years in a row he showed up that second to third week of december and he, he came to my farm for the food i always leave a lot of food a lot of standing mm. grain so that's like a big feeder by the way you know, <laughs> Yeah, no, it is. It is. I've oh. hunted in Illinois. I've or a, feeder, a feeder you can put in a specific area in cover next to his bed, and you can move it the next year if you want it. Like my like the food plots I I I leave like standing. Like number one, it's spread over a large area. Number two, I don't just I can't just like go into his bedroom and put that food in right next to his bed, and. I mean, there's things I can do to manipulate it, right, to, for my setup, but it's it's no, it's not like a feeder. It, I mean, there's a bait state versus non-bait states, and guys who have hunted both, and it's yeah, no, not the same. I've hunted both. I've hunted Illinois. And you know what they did before I got there? They took a tractor and they mowed the soybeans and put them on the ground for the deer, and then said, "Here's your, here's your blind. You can shoot." You can, if there's a deer in the soybeans, I can hit them with the muzzle loader. I mean, it was only like, I don't know, 10 acres or something. I could see there every deer that was in it with the location of them, right? Like, you can't just go into heavy cover and plant a food plot. 
no but also you you'll never see our deer if you don't have a feeder like you're just in cut senderos in south texas specifically where at north like texas is a lot it's a lot more similar to where you hunt i mean we have big hardwoods yeah. and stuff but south texas brush country if you don't have a feeder and cut lanes you're not going to see deer because it's so thick like it's uh i had an interesting conversation with the dude last week and he was like you know what it's way easier to kill a mature elk than it is a mature whitetail and i was like huh i was like i've had i've killed elk and i was like but i haven't i've never killed like a booner uh buck with my bow and i've never you know i've i've had the properties that had the deer on them but i haven't ever killed one and i'm thinking you know he's right it is harder to kill and so i i say this because the western guys would be like they don't understand how hard it is to kill uh southern whitetail or a lot of times a midwestern whitetail um but you could come i invite anyone from wyoming montana eh, come down to south texas and take your bow and walk around the brush country and we'll see if you kill a whitetail buck during the season because you're not gonna won't happen. Uh -uh. yeah but yeah so i anyway, i shot that deer uh he was low 170s mm, and nice. then other than that we got super aggressive this year with taking bucks off the farm because i don't know if i mentioned it before we had leased this farm before before i bought it and we just never wanted to like put too much pressure on it and we had a handful of other leases at the time and places to hunt so we had killed two bucks on our farm since 2018 so from 18 to 22 we had only killed two bucks mm. and you know it wasn't that and i would Thing fly keeps flying right around. Thing, um, and you know, I uh, it got to a point where, like last year, I had two deer that I I was really looking forward to seeing what they were going to be because we had photos of them and and had seen them from they were both two and a half, then three and a half, then uh, last year they were four, and both of them like were going to be studs. And they both like, here they are again, boom, put the cameras up and there they are. Like some of the first year on the camera. But the difference was this year was that about the time they shed velvet, the photos like quit coming in of them. It was very, it was like super inconsistent. One of them literally relocated over a mile away. We, I found him, I saw him from a gravel road. And that was like, he'd never done that before. The, the two years prior he was like a homebody hmm. the other big one he didn't go as far away and i would get him every now and then but it was on the fringes so i started but but i started talking to a couple buddies and they're like well do you have what bucks are like living there i'm like well there's this buck it's like 135 i had photos of him since 19 there's this one this one well i had five deer that were basically calling my my farm home that were five or six or seven years old they were five or older and yeah. we had just never hunted them or killed them because they were they were just weren't big rack deer and it was a horrible management approach like i literally just had these deer just like freeloaders yeah they're just like chilling they're like oh well, this guy isn't gonna shoot me i've been watching does get shot out of that box oh i know what those are those democrat deer <laughs> <laughs> so so i was like i i one of my buddies who i he manages a lot of ground and he's like hardcore and he goes, dude, you have to get rid of those deer. Like you got to do something. So yeah. anyways, long story short, I had my wife's uh, dad come down. Uh, 
you know Zach from GSM, uh, Zach Henderson. Yeah. So Zach flew up here. He drew an Iowa tag, and he killed like he killed the oldest deer on the farm, like the mm. biggest body deer on the farm. Nice. I mean, there's a hundred and fifty inch, you know, deer. But um, yeah. anyways, we killed we killed five bucks off the farm last year, and four of them were those kind of older, lower scoring deer. And I'm hoping that by doing that, that we can open up space for either an, an, you know, those two bucks I talked about that left, I'm hoping that they stick around this year. One of them's here all the time. Again, the other one, I, I haven't seen him, so mm. he might be dead or, you know, I don't know. He just hasn't came back. Um, but regardless, like it kind of opened my eyes to just because you're not shooting bucks means you're going to have big bucks because there's only so many mature bucks that a farm can hold. Oh yeah. So trying yeah. to, you know, make sure you have the right mature bucks is yeah. part of the process. If you're too. at your carrying capacity and you've got young up and comers, they don't, they're not stupid. They're like, that, that guy, he might only be a 140, but he's six and a half years old. He's going to whoop my ass. Yep. Oh, and that's yeah. what happened. I think, I think they tolerated them when they were two and three. They're like, yeah, whatever. He's really not a huge threat to me. And then as soon as they were four, they're like, dude, you're, you're gone. Like get out. And that's, yeah. that's kind of what happened. I think. Yeah. So anyways, it's going to be an interesting year, man. Like it's been fun. The whole process has been fun. Um, and is Iowa bow only, or do you have like a limited shotgun or I don't remember. It's uh, archery. It's predominant, you know, so the majority of the season's archery that starts October 1st goes till right around December 1st. And then all of December is, and then into early January is either shotgun or muzzleloader, hmm. but they did allow, um, straight walled rifles too for but that's like you as a resident you have to pick the season so you can't just like go all five weeks of gun season you have to like first gun season's five days so you buy your tag you hunt five days that's it right so then um second gun season's nine days and then late muzzleloader you have to use a muzzleloader and that one's three weeks long so you guys killed five bucks were they all with archery or did you guys utilize they were Every single one of them, sorry, four out of the five were shotgun or muzzleloader. Okay. Yeah. Right on. Right on. It, it's just, dude, it's so, it, it, it is deadly. I mean, I've got this thing, I got this farm so teed off and the access is so good. And then, like I said, my, what you're, what you're calling my bait site, that is, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I, I'm leaving, I got seven acres of corn planted back there this year and I just will pull these deer in. And then as long as you're just making sure that you're not getting, you're not bumping them. If you can get in and out then, and keep that pressure really, you know, just don't let them know they're being hunted. Um, you could, it's just super deadly. So and that's a great time to, to really take, I mean, obviously hunt any, any deer, but then if you're, if you're going after certain management deer, you know, like bow hunting is just a different beast. Yeah. So like my wife's dad, right? Like he used to hunt, but he's moved to Des Moines. He doesn't hunt as much. But when I called him and I was like, Hey, would you be interested in coming down for a weekend and sitting in a blind with me? Like go buy a tag and let's go to one of my blinds and, and shoot one of these deer that I want to have shot. He was like pumped and he shot a deer. It was like, it was a seven point that, I mean, it's literally probably 120 inch deer. And it was like, if I killed like a 170, I mean, like he was, he was jacked up, <laughs> came back to my house, like 
I went to bed at probably one thirty in the morning and he was still in the garage drinking beer. Like all <laughs> like, the deer's hanging in the shop. He's just sitting here, just like chugging beer, listening to music. And I don't even know what time he went to bed, but then he took it to my buddy who's a taxidermist and he got it mounted. Like he's nice. And then my wife called him last week. She's like, yeah, hey, Chris, Oh, no, that's, he, he called my wife last week and they were talking and he's like, do you think that Chris would be cool if I came down again and shot one of those management bucks? <laughs> if, well, if they're not already all shot. Yeah, we'll see. That's the thing. We'll see. See how it goes. Yeah. There's does that can be shot though too. We, we did a, uh, a depredate. It's called the depredation program with the Iowa DNR and, uh, they'll come out to your land to look at like your crop damage predominantly crop damage but they can look at the browse pressure and then you can get basically i think they gave me 15 doe tags oh wow so then you so use how those. many deer does the dnr say your 155 acre farm can support like what is your ideal they never really gave me like a specific number they just look, honestly they looked at the, what happened was the guy farming my property. So I cash rented, the, there was 50 acres tillable. And the guy who I was cash renting those acres to called me and he's like, Hey, I, so I was talking to him about cash rent. I'm like, I was just curious where he came up with the number for the cash rent. But then we, we got that dialed in, but then, He's like, hey, if you're going to be around tomorrow, I want to show you some of this brow, like what I'm talking about with these deer that are just like smoking your, your, my, the tillable, like they're smoking these crops. And he's like, it's to the point where you have 50 acres here, but they're just destroying all the edges and all the coves that go back. Like I, I, I either have to lower the cash rent or I, it doesn't really make sense for me to keep farming this it was also raccoons too but um so long story short i called the depredation biologist she came out and we had we had soybeans where if it was in the middle of the field they'd be over waist high and then on the edges they'd be like this it's like someone mm. took a lawnmower just mowed them you know yeah but no they never gave me a number um she well how many said, deer hey, do you think are on the property depends on the time of year you know so like in the sun like I, it's changed a lot since last year too because any but so long story short last summer it was all soybeans so those deer all over in there in the summer this year i took out about 35 acres of tillable and i put it into crp hmm. so we planted switch it's like a mix of switch big blue stem little blue stem bunch of forbs and flowers um so we planted that so now i've only i've got seven acres of corn and the rest is other stuff right other food pots but um so it changed the whole dynamic but like late season i i would see on a on a really cold night if it'd been consistently cold for let's say like two or three four days like three or four or five days it'd been cold and then i went out there i think the most deer i saw was right around mid 70s probably like 75 oh my years. gosh wow but they, those deer were coming, you know, who knows how far they, they traveled to get here. And then yeah. one, one like rule of thumb that I've always been told is that once they know where the food is, like once you get these deer that are like, they just know now, like late season, I know where this guy, or I know that this, this field's going to have a standing grain that you typically like what my 
some of the guys that have been doing this longer than me, they're like, oh yeah, you'll, you'll like just start pulling in another 5% a year. Like it just, that's kind of what it seems like. So really just, I'm going to stay on the does. I got a buddy that we butchered. We do, we shot, shot those five bucks. We shot, I think we shot 10 or 11 does. I can't, I can't recall, Mm -hmm. but um, I filled two deep freezes with deer meat. Nice. And yeah. And then my buddy does a bunch of processing. So he's been coming over randomly and processing it. And he, he does that. I get half of it. He takes half of it. So it works out good. Yeah. Oh, that's a mutually beneficial relationship there for sure. Um, so let's talk about the things that, you know, give these deer away, help us monitor, maybe pattern them if we're lucky. Uh, I've been using stealth cams for, uh, I don't know, a dozen years, a long time. And uh, the cool thing is that the data plans keep getting cheaper and the quality of the photos and the camera's functionality and features keep getting better. So technology improves, price goes down. Price goes down on the cameras too. They're no longer, I mean, I think the early, like, I don't remember what they were, GX wireless or something. I forget the earliest model, but I know it was like a $320 camera or something. Now you can pick up uh, a cell cam for, you know, 120 bucks or something like that. Um, yeah. And we have two new models, the Deceptor and the Fusion X Pro. Uh, I'm going to let you, let's start with the Deceptor. Um, what are the features on this thing that separate it from, you know, the rest of our lineup? And, uh, and what I is the... I would say with, with the Deceptor, it's like, a year, a year ago, that camera would have been $199 because yeah. that, that, that we had the reactor two years ago or last year. And that reactor isn't as good of a camera as the deceptor. Uh, but that reactor was like 199. So yeah. that deceptor has all the bells and whistles of a $200 camera at $129 price point. We got super aggressive with our, with our pricing this year, but that camera is amazing. So you can buy it both in, you can buy either a no glow where it's a true black flash, or you can do it just a straight infrared. Those are the two options with it, but it's got a got 0.3 right second trigger yeah. speed. Um, that going out this weekend. Range, yeah, dude, you'll love it. It's amazing. The, the detection range on that, like I told the guys, I, I'm like, we need to, we're, 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 we're not being honest of the detection range on that thing. Cause it says 80 foot, but I'm getting deer at like 120 feet. And then we had, um, Oh, it was like trail cam pro. They did surveys or tests on our, on everybody's cameras and they got the deceptor. It was taking photos of them walking by at 120 feet. So I'm like, it, I don't know why we're, we put 80 foot. Wait, on how far so, were they? Anyways, that camera is 120 feet. Oh, wow. Can you hear me with this air conditioner going? Yeah, I know. So you you just cut out there for a second. It was just the okay. the, the uh, internet stream, I think. Um, okay, but, you know, it's got it is super clear. Like the the photo quality is just crazy. Like here's a photo from it's forty meta, megapixel. So it gives you an idea. That's last night. Oh wow! Yeah. Look That's how beautiful. I mean. Look how clear that is. Yeah. And then the day, I mean, dude, the nighttime photos are awesome, but like the daytime photos are just phenomenal. And these are non HD photos. Like they're not, 
that's one thing that we also do um, with Stealth and Muddy is the photos that you get to the app. Honestly, you really don't have to worry about downloading the HD version of the photos because the photos are so clear on the first round. So that's like a non HD photo, mm. but they, oh, yeah. they just are so clear. And that's back in the day. I remember the first price point camera we came out with, it was like the, the not the cameras you were talking about. Those were fairly clear, a pain to set up, um, took a ton of batteries, but so the first, like when I say price point camera, like that first $200 camera below was the fusion. And I remember getting photos from that. And at the time it was normal. It was like, that was like, Oh, that's what a cell cam is. Right. Like the, they were kind of blurry. You could still tell what they were, mm. but the technologies came a long way. So, you know, that deceptor is pretty awesome. All the bells and whistles, all the, you know, 0.3 second trigger speed. Like I said, 80 plus foot detection range, no glow. Um, and then that fusion X pro is basically an upgraded fusion so a little bit clearer photos and videos than the fusion x from last year um one thing we added was audio to the video on that so the fusion fusion x uh, you know it might have been just the straight video but now the fusion x pro has video and audio so an updated uh upgraded fusion x but what's what's pretty cool too is the price points dropped on the cameras, the, the app itself, we've done an update to the app where um, there's more features within the app oh, yeah. and then more capabilities of those two cameras. So you could do on-demand photo and video with both of them. You can make them take a photo or video at any time, whenever you want, and send it to the app. Um, depending on the service in your area, it might take 10 seconds, 15 seconds to receive it. It might take 30 seconds, um, but that's a pretty cool feature. Guys who are going to run that, I would tell them to make sure that they're using an external, some type of an external battery pack or, uh, or you know, 12 volt battery with solar panel, something, you know, run solar, you know, Stealth Cam or HME both have plenty of options in their lines, but on demand is pretty demanding as well on batteries. So, that's a pretty cool feature. Uh, you can share albums now, which you haven't been able to do. So now like I've got a bunch of cameras obviously, but I also have some farms I hunt with a few buddies and we run stealth cams on those. So in years past, it'd be like, we would either have to make a brand new account just if we just wanted those cameras on it or that just have to give them my login, but then they could see all my photos too off my farm. Right. Um, but now, so anyways, now you don't have to worry about that because you can just share an album off your camera with somebody else as long as they have the app and they'll be notified like, hey, so-and-so shared this album with you, accept, and then boom, it's right there on your app. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. Also, you have uh, the new feature where it tells you what you're looking at, a buck or a hog or, you know, coyote or coon or whatever. Um, yeah, so you can so categorize the photos that way. Yep. You can filter based on that. Um, and if you want to take it a step further with filtering, you can, you know, I know we kind of talked about this last year, but you can do custom filters where if you've got a certain buck and you call them the big 10 or whatever, like whenever those photos come in, you can tag him as the big 10. And then now you, then when you filter it, you literally got an album with just his photos. 
And then you can take, you know, you could even take it further from that. Now you've got all of his photos right here. Now you can dissect and filter by time or temperature. A lot of cool stuff. And then one thing, I don't want to give too much away, but we're working on some stuff with to even i guess what i would say is we're we're working on even going like a step further with the filtering options with weather so you can probably use your imagination with that but we've got some really cool stuff we've been testing and i'm hoping we can launch it um before hunting season this year mm. where you could take your filtering options to like even the, a further step which is going to be pretty awesome right on right on yeah it's been fun to see how these things have evolved over the years uh and and become more user friendly like you said the first ones to that was like pulling your hair out sometimes to get those things set up and functioning like oh i finally got it you know 45 minutes later these now you just scan the qr code on your phone and boom it's, it's like a less than five minute process it's yeah, pretty the awesome first one you set up's the longest one because that's the one you have to you have to add in your billing info and all of your info but then after you get the first one done like you said, it's, it's literally, I mean, open the box, take the camera out, open the camera lid, scan the QR code with your phone through the app. It adds the camera. It tells you put the batteries in, screw on the antenna and turn it on. And then you pick your plan. Like yeah. pick your, what plan do you want? So it's pretty, it's pretty quick. I mean, I think I can add them, you know, you can add a camera once you figure out how to do it. I mean, it's like a two minute process and you're right. It used to be, I think I used to average like 20 minutes or 25 minutes on the old ones. Cause you had to type in the IMEI, ICCID numbers. Then you had to like name the camera and it would take yeah. like an hour to name it. <laughs> and then you had to, what else did you have? Oh, you had to actually insert your own SIM card, which you wouldn't believe how many people did that wrong. Like it was a pain because people would put them in upside down or backwards and then yeah. they'd get stuck in there. Yeah. So yeah. What is your favorite? Way. What's your favorite name for one of your cell cameras? Mine's the let's go Brandon cam. <laughs> you have to get that approved by someone way higher up than me. <laughs> no, I mean, that's the one that I named. That's like the name oh, of, I thought you of one of my fusions. A, oh, I thought you wanted to name a camera. We're selling that. Oh, that would be a good option. You'd sell the crap out of it. But. I don't know. I, on my farm, I've got, I, it's probably corny to most people, but like I've got two daughters, a dog, a wife. I don't even know what the hell. We have the about. same naming system. We ha so I have, I, like, yeah. So I've got like, like Alice Alley or, you know, like whatever, like I, it's like the far, like the cameras and the food plots and parts of the farm are named after family mm. or even like i name them after like certain deer that were there for you know we've got like a bottom below the house it's like side bottom because that deer was there from the first time i ever stepped foot on the farm until last year mm -hmm. um i don't know i don't have anything cool or unique like let's go brandon cameras but <laughs> i'll have to i'll have to think of a cool name for one before i get on this podcast again <laughs> well there's something to think about for next time yeah but, uh... for sure well, Chris, it's an exciting time of the year watching these bucks, you know, grow their, their, their antlers. And obviously all of them look so big when they're in velvet. Uh, but it's, it's fun to watch them grow and watch them bachelored up. And, and then, you know, things are, are going to change here very quickly. 
um but yeah it's long. uh it's like it's that you get to that lull from you know january then it's kind of like well okay i'm still checking because i, I want to see when they drop their antlers but then from from that it's like eh. i mean I, I think i turned most i think i turned all but like three three of them off uh where i was still trying to watch pigs just because yeah. well, you know there's no point but uh i think probably i don't know uh june i turned them all back on and now you're just watching these bucks and it's fun it's exciting see what you got and it's like we're already late july i mean i don't know when your season opens but i think our youth season you know our youth season starts september 15th right around there mm. so yeah we're 70 days away from season it's crazy to think about that but exciting yep well hey i appreciate it as always thanks for the time and i uh, hope you have a great fall yeah you too thank you so there he goes diehard whitetail hunter and stealth cams chris duncan uh y'all couldn't see it you know you're listening to the radio show or podcast but his entire back wall full of just absolute slammers so yeah uh chris if you need any help uh, you know you got my phone number. I'll be your Huckleberry if you need, if you need any uh, shotgun, bow, rifle, whatever. Yeah, I'll be your guy. Uh, that segment of the show brought to you by Big and J Whitetail Attractants. Whether you hunt the Midwest or North or South Texas, Oklahoma, anywhere in between, Big and J has proven to bring in the big bucks. I've used it on four or five different leases at this point. The results are always the same. Put it out. You're going to have big boys show up. They can't resist it. BB squared, that's my favorite, but you can find their entire lineup of whitetail attractants at bigandj.com. Unfortunately, we are out of time. Got to go. Got to get out of here. Thanks to Chris, as well as our other guest today, Robert Ramirez. Thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible. Thanks to you, the listener, for being a part of SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show. Until next time, I'm Cable Smith saying, y'all have a great week in the outdoors. Till we stop to dress the ten-point buck she had shot along 